There we go. Okay. Thank you, Ben. Come on, let's give it for Ben. Thank Ben for his obedience to hearing the voice of the Lord. And when you break it all the way down, that's that's what it's about. Hearing and obeying. I mean, we, we could all claim and want to be Bible scholars. There are lots of people who know the Bible from beginning to end. They've written all types of commentary. They know it. They've memorized it. But they don't live it. And so even as, you know, I stand up today to break the word. You know, my goal is to never stand up here and be some type of Bible expert. But my goal is that after I do finish the time that I'm up here, that we all have a desire to be more like him. Not to know more, but to do better, to want to live better, to want to please him. So um, I honor and thank the Lord Jesus Christ for uh, just being that. My Lord and Savior, thank God for our pastor, Stephen, who is uh, away uh, in service right now. And uh, we thank God for him to all of the elders and the leaders uh, here. I just want to share something with you real quickly before I get in um, to uh, to to the message. I message I feel that God has for me um, yesterday. I attended a uh, a funeral, or as some say, a home-going service. Um, you choose. A funeral is normally 45 minutes, sing a couple of scriptures and songs, and we're out of there, and we go when we, and the body is buried. Home-going service, this was four hours long. There is a difference. This was four hours long, at least, at least four hours long, huh? It was, woof. I had friends texting me yesterday during the service talking about, bruh. <laughs> yeah, I saw lots of people leaving, and you had clergy up front who were not speaking, who, who, who would get up like they had to go to the bathroom, and they never returned, you know. <laughs> but the service was for... A man of God uh, who I respected. And his son and I are great friends. And he was a father figure. Uh, very much, very much one. And he was a man that obviously was a preacher. and But he was also a man that could move mountains without saying too much. He had, was one of those. He was 6'6". Six, six, and he could just sort of look at you with this gray hair, you know, like you. Just a mountain of a man who could talk, but also was humble enough just to maybe give you a look that could change everything. It could put the fear of the Lord in you, or it could just comfort you and just sort of bring peace to maybe uncomfortable situations. And... Married for 67 years, 
in ministry most of, most of those years, was a brick mason by vocation, although a graduate of North Carolina A&T State University. And although I've never been to seminary, I think yesterday I sat in what have, probably would have been a master's class in, in preaching as we had tons of people who would give up and give remarks and yet somehow squeezed in a message in about the three or four minute, you know, it, it was just it was just amazing. The storytellers that that many of these men are and many of these men that got up to speak are pastors of large congregations. Even a few mega churches, if there is a mega church in Greensboro, I guess these would be the ones, right? And got big, beautiful edifices, and they've got hundreds, some thousands of members, you know. And they all talked about how great this man was in their lives, and yet this man's congregation probably never exceeded 200. He never had the title bishop. Which it seems like every preacher, I, black preacher I know now these days is, is bishop or apostle. I mean, and, and sort of craving the, these titles, you know, more and more. This man never had that title. He was just simply pastor. And every one of them legitimately credited this man with helping them in life and in ministry. Yet never, this man never had the title bishop he didn't want the title but what he did have was the lifestyle it was said about him yesterday before I get to my message and I'll tell you why I'm doing this this has nothing to do with what I wanted to talk about today but I wanted to share this with you because there are a few people here I want to hear this this particular man they said was honorably discharged from his service here on earth to glory. He was always on duty and on post. His responsibility may have changed, but his dedication never did. You may not get your choice of assignment or location, but wherever and whenever you do it the best you can. Good soldier is available to do the work that needs to be done with passion, diligence, trust, prudence, commitment, and sincerity and service. Hear all that alliteration? You know it was a black preacher's preaching that message. Act like you act like a good Christian soldier as best as you can, as long as you can, despite the many hardships and indignities you might face. You serve your entire commission and faithfully discharge all your duties. Many others disappear, create problems when they can't be in charge or quit whenever they feel like it. A good soldier will know how to take orders and obey the commander-in-chief, whether he agrees with the commander-in-chief or not, never violating conduct. He's not in it for the money, embraces the service. I just want to just tell a few of you who I know are in here about I think that's you. I think that's you, Mike. I think that's you, Craig. I think that's you, Andy. It's Stephen. I could look at many of you and say, I believe that's you. Sitting right here in this place. So many of you, I'm convicted about it. It's you, Ben. It's you. 
starting praise and worship when there's nobody here. It's you at the door when there's nobody coming. It's you just remaining faithful when it seems change is all around. And I just want you to know so many of you who are sitting here today. That God sees you. In the midst of it all. And you may not have the titles. And we may not be big. And you may not see everything you want to see right now. But I believe God is pleased with your service. And I just want you to know that. And that it does not go unnoticed. And that me and others who show up sporadically. Because we have excuses of being busy. Or whatever excuse we can come up with. I'm so appreciative that when I come here, I see you. I just want you to know that. I could not sit here and not acknowledge that. So that man's service yesterday was 89 years of his life. But to me, I wanted to share that with you in terms of what PIC means to me and some of the tremendously faithful men and women that I see in here week after week. And for me, year after year now. And so I had to ask myself this question, and maybe it's a question you've asked yourself. Why is it when you know the right thing to do? (laughs) Why don't you do it? What stands in the way of doing what you know needs to be done. There's a very familiar passage of scripture. I think you all probably know it. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you so much, Lord, for just uh, being you. I thank you for your love, your commitment, your faithfulness, your express example to all of us today. Lord, open our eyes that we can see. Open our ears that we can hear. Tenderize our hearts. So that the engrafted word of God is able to touch our souls, that we can be more like you and change the people around us, ourselves be changed, and the generation is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 7, King James Version. This is going to be verses 14 through 25. I know all of you know this. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, 
I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then. With the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Here Paul is speaking. And many believe that he's referencing, referencing himself. And the question then becomes, um, is he referencing himself before his conversion? Is he referencing himself as a new Christian, immature Christian, or is Paul referencing himself in mature Christians? And as I told you earlier, we could, and there have been men and commentary written to, you know, debate this, but my goal is not to be academically proficient. The goal is for all of us to be more like, more like Christ. And we must also know that even though the law is filled with holiness and filled with integrity, the law itself can never deliver us from sin. We have to rely on the Holy Spirit. And I believe the more we grow in God and the more we honor his ways, the more painfully aware we become of just how fall, of how short we really fall of the glory of God. It is a daily battle inside of us. We have setbacks. And the truth of the matter is, no matter what you believe about Paul and whether this was before in his, in his early walk or if, if he's talking to mature believers, Here's one thing that I don't believe any of us can deny, and that's this. As believers, we sin. We don't like hearing it. We don't really like having to face that because we want to come here and we, we look for deliverance. We look for the healing. We look for the forgiveness and there's no reason to seek forgiveness if there is no sin. But as believers, there is sin. But what is the difference? And here is where I, I believe the difference is. 
Yes, believers, we sin. But I don't believe believers can live in the perpetual defeat of a sinful lifestyle. Do we fall short of the glory of God? But do mature Christians stay and wallow in that sin perpetually time over and over and over again? I'm not sure about that. I don't think so. Romans 1, 28 through 32. Let's look at that scripture. It says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do things which are not convenient. 29 says, being filled with unrighteousness, and he goes through a list and litany of things. You can keep going. Keep going. Without understand, keep going that who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but even have pleasure in them that do them. I don't believe that we as believers, I don't believe that's us. But do we sin? Come on, let's be real. We sin. But do we live in that area where we sin so freely that we have no conviction? I don't believe that's where we are. I also want to look at 1 John chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. And I think he's probably... He's going to pull up the NIV version, and I want to read that particular scripture to you, even as it's up. I want to read that to you in the Message Bible this morning, just to um, because uh, I like the way uh, it's it's shared in uh, the Message Bible. That is, uh, again, First John three nine through twenty. Where it says in the message Bible, it says, people conceived and brought into life by God don't make a practice of sin. How could they? God's seed is deep within them, making them who they are. It's not in the nature of the God begotten to practice and parade sin. Here's how you tell the difference between God's children and the devils. The one who won't practice righteousness isn't from God, nor is the one who won't love his brother or sister. It's a simple test. So, as believers, do we sin? Yes. But as believers, do we perpetually live a sinful lifestyle? Absolutely not. Now, I don't know what some of you may be struggling with this morning because I have been in places where there are people who are, who are somewhat haughty and they believe that now that they're saved and they're the righteousness of God, that somehow they live this life where they are free from sin altogether, that they live these sort of perfect lives. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I want to read a couple of things to you this morning, and this may find you, it may not. But are you dealing with issues when it comes to relationships with people, with family, with unforgiveness, with drunkenness, with fornication, with adultery, abortion, homosexuality, lying, keeping commitments, lasciviousness, cheating people in business, anger, judgment, racism, selfishness, fear, worry, patriotism, pride, gluttony, covetousness, gossip, hatred, laziness, cursing, personal discipline, being critical of people, being over anxious, being easily discouraged, not coping well with conflict and change, neglecting church, neglecting in, in, in terms of being uh, in, in attendance and giving and serving. Because you say you're sick, because you say you're evolving, because you say you're working, because you say, well, I'm new to the ministry, or I'm too busy, or I've been hurt, or maybe I'm just lazy. I don't believe believers would be comfortable being in a perpetual defeat of any of these things. We deal with them. But no believer is going to be comfortable in them. The Holy Spirit is the immediate reprover of sin. Now, earlier, um, Mike even asked before we did communion. He said, name three things. How did you say exactly say it, Mike? Now, those three things. I don't know if Mike, you share it for you. It was and acceptance. I'm going to be transparent, too. And I'm going to tell you that with me, I've got some things on this list that I just named as ugly as that list is. <sighs> Anger. Being critical. Neglecting church. Those are three things I know of. And just because maybe you're not dealing with fornication or you're not dealing with adultery or abortion doesn't make you better because something else on this list because we said it's about us becoming more like Christ and if your thing isn't on this list then I'll take a moment and maybe you raise your hand and you tell me what I need to add that maybe I didn't share on the list because we all our believers in here, I believe, but we all fall short of the glory of God. But thank you, Jesus. That's not the end Amen. of the story. <laughs> when was he going to turn the corner? <laughs> when was the weight going to be lifted? <laughs> oh. 
Well, you didn't have to wait for me. Because if we keep reading, he's already answered it. We could read the whole entire chapter of Romans 8. We could read the whole entire chapter. There is hope for us. There is hope for us. Can you put up Romans 8? There is now, therefore, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Maybe some of y'all don't have to be reminded of that. But sometimes I have to be reminded of that myself. Galatians 5, 16 through 18. It reads. I can go to it here. There it is. This I say then. Walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 17 goes on to say, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Verse 18 says, but if you be led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Psalms 59, 1 through 4. Psalms 59, 1 through 4. And I, I, I love these next few scriptures that we're about to get in. And I'm not going to be before you long. It says, deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Defend me from them that rise up against me. It goes on to say through verse 4, if you don't mind. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity and save me from bloody men. Verse 3, for lo, they lie in wait for my soul. The mighty are gathered against me, not for my transgressions, not for my sin, O Lord. And verse 4 says, they run and prepare themselves without my fall. Awake to help me and behold. And finally, I want to look at Matthew six thirteen, Where it reads, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Here's what I want you to know. That no matter what you're dealing with, whatever your issue might be, that keeps you from the joy of the Lord, what you're going to have to do is that you're going to have to develop a hate for the sin that you're in. Why is that? I've said it here before, because God doesn't deliver you from your friends. God delivers you from your enemies. So if your friend is some of the things that you're dealing with and you've developed somewhat of a relationship, a comfortable relationship with some of the things that you know that are keeping you from having the fulfilled life that you know you're supposed to have. You're going to have to take a hard look at that, examine it, and understand that God doesn't deliver you from your friends. He delivers you from your enemies. You have to be determined to live a life that's pleasing to God. My life, 
my wife actually sent an article to me this this morning as I was actually reading this Romans 7 scriptures that I read about not doing the right thing when you know what to do and the warring of your members. And I, I know I'm married to the right one baby because she sent me an article. And I could really go into the article. I don't know if you feel like coming up and sharing a little bit of it, but it talked about the importance of determination and setting your face like flint. And one of the key lines in that article said that God has given us all the fruit, the fruit of self-control and the free will. But we still have to make a choice to use it. And the less we use our free will to make the right choices, we just become weaker and weaker. Now, we can't will ourselves to do the right thing without the help of the Holy Spirit. But with him, we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. I believe sometimes that I deal and I suffer because I'm trying to do things in my own strength. And I'm trying to will myself to do it. I lost 120 something pounds this past year. I've known Ivor for going on 10. I went to Ivor years ago. He told me everything to do right. And I didn't lose the weight. I was willing myself. I was really trying to do it. Did I work, work out hard? Honey, was I trying to eat right? I wasn't trying. Was I eating right? Because that leaves some levity for you guys to say, ah, yeah, that's the reason why. Uh-huh. Was I eating right? But in my mind, also, what did I know? I had been diagnosed with a brain tumor that was sitting where, honey? On my pituitary gland. And I had been to the doctor, and they had told me, hey, man, no matter how hard you work, you're not going to be able to lose the weight because your body's not producing enough what? Testosterone. You want to talk about defeat in my mind? No matter, you know, and I'm willing to do right and everything, but even in my mind, I'm like, what's the purpose? I'm working hard, doing all this stuff that's right, coming to church every week. I'm being faithful in my ties. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm believing. I'm reading the word. I'm keeping myself holy. I'm keeping myself celibate. I'm dotting the I's. I'm crossing the T's, and I'm not seeing the results I want to see. only by the grace of God it is only by the grace of God I am not suggesting that any of us don't will to do good 
We need to want and desire. Set our face like Flint. We want to will to do what is right. When mommy and daddy ask you to do something, you should will to want to do it right the first time they ask. Right? You don't want to develop this sort of thing to where you just sort of, huh, mommy and daddy talking, just sort of let that go. And so it becomes commonplace where mom and dad's got to ask you five or six, seven, eight, ten, twenty, thirty times to do something that you should have done the first time you heard it. We can make it that simple for you kids in here. But we can also make it plain for us who've heard God say on more than one or hundred or two hundred occasions to do something and we don't do it. And then we, be, we dull our senses literally to hearing God. In reality, though, it's nothing but the grace of God. I want to sit here and tell you, well, you know what? Yes, I, I eat salmon and I, um, I eat greens and I eat balsamic locale and I drink uh, water with the proper pH balance. And uh, I don't eat after seven. And I go jogging six miles, and I do a warm-up of 30 minutes on the elliptical, and I'm working the Latimus dorsi muscles in my back and the big muscle groups in my leg and chest so that I can burn maximum amount of calories even when I sleep. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, I had to will myself beyond what the doctors were even telling me years ago. And even though I did all of that stuff, I'm not going to sit up here and take credit that it was all that stuff I did. It was the grace of God that somehow I saw a pound, then two, then six, then whatever. And I'm telling you right now, it is nothing but the grace of God that keeps me from wanting to go to Duck Donuts, <laughs> right? Less than a mile from my, about about a mile from my house. It's true. It's right there. I went yesterday. It's every, I mean, <sighs> I love soda. I want a Coca Cola. I don't want ginger ale. <laughs> Keep that water. <laughs> I want a Coke. <laughs> and many times, listen to this. I'm really going in there now. I'm being transparent now. Should I drink that glass of wine that I have here at my table that's been given to me? <gasps> You've been faced with questions like that before, too. And I'm not here, and this is not a judging zone. I'm just saying these are legitimate questions you will face. This is the inward battle in you in terms of what's right, what's wrong. This is the inward battle in you of knowing, okay, people used to come to me, I would be on the radio, and they'd say, really, they'd say, Joseph, 
you think I should listen to 97 or should I keep listening to 1510? 1510's gospel, 97 is secular. And I would always tell him, I said, by the mere fact you're asking me what to listen to, you just listen to 1510. Now, I would have no problem with you listening to 97, but you're not going to use me as some reason for sinning. Listen to what you want now. Years ago, I was at another ministry and we were having marriage retreats. I'm a DJ. They wanted me to DJ. I said, fine. I bought love music. It was a marriage retreat. It was for married people. And so the songs that I were I wanted to play, I felt marriage people were married people were qualified to enjoy that type of songs that talked about eros <laughs> and romantic love and expressing that. And you should have seen the look on the married people's faces when I played songs that they spent too many years as single people listening to. They didn't even know how to listen to it as a married person. But my point is, it's not judging. It's just you by the grace of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? By the grace of God. I'm not here to dot I's and cross T's, but what I want to do, Ben, even at the age of 53, is I want to be more like him. That's all. And I struggle at times with decisions I make. Now, I think, God, I don't struggle with some of these things we consider the big ones. <laughs> but it's not the big ones I'm dealing with. It's all them little small ones. The small ones like, I'll call you back. I'll pray for you, even on social media. People don't even want to say I pray for you now. They just put up praying hands emojis because just, it's just easy. They feel less convicted. Hey, man, I'm praying for you, man. I'm praying for you, sister. And so your prayer then becomes you thought about them. That's your prayer. Hey, if that's your prayer, then fine. But I get convicted about that. That may not be your issue. But it's mine. But thank God for his grace. Every day his mercies are new every morning. Thank God for his communion. You know, I'm going to close with this. During communion, there is this sort of pervasive thought that goes through Christendom that be careful about going to take communion. You're unworthy. If you're sinning and you take communion, watch out. 
No, I can un- I understand. Some people think like that. But the reality of the matter is that's not what that's not what's really the instruction. Man, if you're in sin and you want to change and you need help and you want forgiveness, man, come to the table. What they're saying is don't come up here flippantly and acting like it's no big deal. But if you got sincere conviction about it, come to the table. Come to the altar. What the Lord doesn't want any of us doing is coming through them doors. Going home and thinking that somehow we can just live any type of way we want to. And he'd be pleased with that. Father, I thank you so much for these who are your people. God, I thank you for your faithfulness to us. And I thank you for the expressed examples that you've placed in my life all down through the years of faithful men and women of God. God, I know you see them. And I thank you, Lord. For the grace that you provide them to keep doing what is right, even when no one is watching. When no one gives them a pat on the back. When it seems that those who are not as faithful seem to be growing and getting promoted in this world we live in. And God, I thank you. For the grace you give some of us who feel we haven't been as faithful as we need to be. Thank you for your mercy that you extend to us. And thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, the immediate reprover of acknowledging and convicting us when we live beneath the standard you called us to. Thank you, Lord. For our ears and our hearts still being open and recognizing your voice. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, I ask that you strengthen the resolve of every believer in this room. No matter where they find themselves or what situation they find themselves. Whether they find themselves in need of deliverance. Whether they find themselves in need of healing. Thank you, Lord, that you will meet our need. And we love you. And God, help us now to love one another. Thank you for the reminders that leaders send out every now and then. But God, prick our hearts and cause us to want to love one another. without having even to be reminded. You're good to us, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'll give it back to you, Mike.